Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. Are you sending direct mail? Is your phone ringing off the hook with motivated seller calls? If it's not, it's probably because you're not marketing. One of my favorite ways to reach motivated sellers is by using direct mail. And the reason is, is I can target those who may have recently got a divorce or who have inherited a property from a death, um, and so on and so forth. I can also target high equity. I can target absentee owners. And it is a tried and true way to get your message out. And more importantly than that, to get your phone ringing. I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail so you can see the exact mail provider that I use. I want to share them with you. They do letters and postcards. Letters as low as 59 cents and postcards as low as 39 cents. Mike and I send hundreds, if not thousands, of postcards and letters to motivated sellers in our market every single week. Reason is, is because it works, and we are going to continue to send direct mail because it works. So if you're not using a mail provider already, we want to share with you the company that we use and they will hook you guys up with special pricing. Mention David Dodge or Mike Slane when you contact them. Go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail to get more information. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge, coming to you today. My co-host Mike Slane is out in the field as usual. I usually get Mike on the show about one in three, one in four, but you know what? He's out in the field buying us some rentals, so I am not going to complain. However, today I have one of my buddies, one of my friends on the show, Mr. Jorge Contreras. Did I say it right? You said it right. I nailed it, man. I knew I was going to fuck it up, but I didn't. I said it right. Awesome. My man, Jorge Contreras. He is here today. And Jorge is the founder of the, the Real System. And I'm going to let him explain to you guys what that is. But today we're going to talk about Jorge and his business, as well as how he became a millionaire by the age of 30. So please welcome Jorge Contreras. How the hell are you, my man? I am great, man, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on here to your show and uh, share some wisdom with all of your followers, and it's truly an honor to be here, and I'm excited, man. But, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, but 
The Real System is a coaching program that I developed where I teach people how to build an Airbnb empire without owning real estate. As you know, there's a tons of strategies like your wholesaling, which is a very effective way to build up capital and then reinvest into cash flow, right? Start making money in your sleep and things like that. So Airbnb is just one of those vehicles to also create cash flow. And that's something that I've had the fortune of uh, being very successful at. I got into real estate. Uh, I'm sorry, I got into Airbnb about three years ago with like four of my units that I converted, started making like six figures. Uh, there was a lot of opportunity and it's just been a, an, an incredible journey, man. So, but that, that's what the real system is. Awesome. Let's define the real system because you have it broken out like R-E-A-L. Um, yes, so let's, let's explain to the, to the listeners and the viewers here, you know, what that stands for um, and, you know, and what it's all about. So uh, there you go. The real system. I love it. The, the real system is an acronym for revenue, education, action, and legal. legal. And it's the four pillars on how someone can build financial freedom using this method. And there is a subliminal message here pointing from E to I. So I teach people how to go from employee to investor. Okay. And, uh, I like it. And that, that's exactly what it is. Awesome. So guys, um, the real system. So let, let me, let me recap. The R is for revenue, revenue. The E is for education. The A is for action. Gotta love that one. And then the L legal. is for like legal. Asset so, protection, all that. Awesome. So Jorge has a, an awesome program. He teaches people how to get into the Airbnb niche of real estate. Um, so if you've listened to the show before, you'll know that I only have one Airbnb, um, but I got about 65 other single family rental properties at this point. So I'm not super heavily uh, invested in the Airbnb, but I like to bring people on the show that do things that I don't do so I can, you know, help spread the word and educate you guys on some things that may be outside of my own wheelhouse. So I'm really happy to have Jorge on today and hopefully he can explain to us some of the benefits of Airbnb and maybe even uh, expand a little bit about also about how you can get involved with Airbnb investing without owning which I think a lot of people think that, you know, well, if I need, if I'm going to be an Airbnb investor, I need to own it. Right. And that's not the case. So I'm going to just kind of um, yield to Jorge here and let him explain, um, you know, how that all works. And, uh, and, and in the end of this, if you guys decide that you want more information, then we will connect you with Jorge and he can talk to you a little bit about his program as well. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things I love, uh, like Tony Robbins says that the two most important things in a business is marketing and innovation. And I couldn't agree more, right? When you don't innovate, your business model gets left behind. So it's like hotels to Airbnb, taxis to Uber, Blockbuster to Netflix, the list goes on. And I love the Airbnb model because one, it's an innovative technological company. And from the year 2000 to 2050, we are in the technology age and it is innovative in of itself. And so they do Airbnb is a customer acquisition company, just like Uber. You've never seen somebody go on Uber or let me know if you have, you ever seen someone go on, on social media and be like, yo, what's up guys. I'm going to be driving around over here by the mall. If you guys need a ride on Uber, hit me up. It's like, nobody does that, right? Because Uber 
you turn on the app and Uber brings you the client for a fee. So they're a customer acquisition company. Airbnb is the same thing, right? You upload your property, they do all the marketing for you and they take less than 3%, just about 3%. And there's really three ways that I've operated and continue to operate Airbnbs. One of them, I started with properties that I already owned in my portfolio, a couple like duplexes and triplexes out here in Los Angeles, California. And then I tapped into that subleasing. So this is where we would approach landlords who are marketing their property and we'd say, hey, um, you know, I know that you're basically looking for a qualified tenant. Let me share with you why I'm the most qualified person. Of course, we have capital, reserves in the account, 800 credit score, and just being in business and an investor, I knew what objections they would have before they would come up. I would hand them in the car in the upfront. We would uh, pay them the fair market rent. And as long as we take care of their property, pay them on time, and there's no issues with the neighbors, it's a win-win. And so it's an arbitrage model. Just like if you walk into the bank and you deposit 10 grand, the bank says, hey, we're gonna pay you 1% you know, annualized. I walk in, I borrow your 10 grand from the bank, they charge me 11% and the bank just made 10%. That's the arbitrage business, right? It's like wholesaling, you get it at a certain price, you mark it up, you make five, 50,000, 100,000 on the sale, same thing. So we could maybe pay $1,000 of rent, Maybe we make eight, 1800 on Airbnb and we get profit. So that's the arbitrage model. And the third and final option is co-hosting. That's like if I was to say, hey, David, you know, I have a lot of experience. I got 16 Airbnbs. I can most likely help you make even more revenue and create a hands-off experience. And I'll charge, say, 20 to 30% of the gross revenue from the Airbnb, providing you a hands-off experience. So awesome. hopefully I explained those three uh, fairly good there. Yeah, you did a great job. Very good. So guys, you can do the Airbnb business with property that you own. Uh, but even more cool than that is you can do the Airbnb business with a property that you don't own. You can go rent uh, that property from somebody else. And as long as you take the transparent approach, I'm all about transparency, Jorge. I don't know if you're, if you listen to any of my, my podcasts or not, but uh, I'm all about transparency. I like to go in with the approach that it's better to tell somebody exactly what you're doing because down the road, if something arises and you're holding something from them, and this is not just in leasing, this is in buying, selling, managing, you know, whatever that might be. If you have the transparency approach, um, it's, it's going to probably serve you uh, in a better way, right? So you go in and you say, listen, I'd like to rent your property. You, I'm going to pay you you know, typically what the market rate is, probably what they're asking. And even though that I'm going to be paying the rent, I'm not going to be staying there. I'm going to be leasing or subleasing this property out. But at the end of the day, all that matters to you is that you get your rent. I'm the one responsible for paying you, no one else. And I'm the one that's going to be responsible for the property during the term of the lease. So if there are those damages and whatnot, we will handle that. And if you go in with that approach, I know a lot of people here in the St. Louis market. I know you're out in the California area, uh, but I know a lot of people in the St. Louis market that have had really, really good success converting landlords um, that typically lease to the long-term rents. I can't speak this today. The long-term tenants um, into uh, allowing them to 
be the lease E, right? And then sublease out those properties on Airbnb or you know other channels. And they've had great success with that. So I think that that is a really, really cool business. And again, you don't have to have tons of money to get into that business, right? Um, there are some barriers to entry. Again, I like transparency. I don't like telling people you can do this with no money because that's not the case, right? There are going to be some barriers to entry. However, those barriers are going to be very, very, very small compared to you going out and actually owning that property. So what would you say, Jorge, the amount of property that you Airbnb is uh, arbitraged versus you own? Do you have- Personally? Yeah, personally. So we have uh, seven on sublease, uh, three that we co-host, and then we have uh, four that we own. Like Love you. it. Very cool. So you you're you got a couple of each, it sounds like, which is yeah, yeah, which is we really great. Some of our properties last year and this year. Last year we sold the two unit in February. We sold the three unit, so that was five less that we own. And uh, in July of last year, we really started going hard on the sublease, and then towards the end of the year, we got on the co-host. So we've been diversifying and I like to test out like, like split testing, right? It's like, Hey, test this, test this. Let's see what's a better strategy. And, uh, you know, I like the idea of making the most amount of money with the least amount of money out of pocket. Cause obviously you get better return on investment, leverage your money. And so the co-hosting has been powerful because as long as you have the expertise, right. And, and that's the challenge is it's difficult if someone is getting into the game of co-hosting or management and they have no experience, like they'd have to have a really good relationship with that person so that they know they're going to be learning. But when someone has the experience, they really don't have to put any money, but essentially instead of putting money, you're putting in your experience. Right. Uh, someone's going to trust you. And I would say that's probably the, the least utilized strategy. Not a lot of people talk about it. Even me, I, it was like eight months ago, I started hearing about it. This guy messaged me. He's like, why are you renting these properties when you can co-host? I'm like, this guy's crazy. And then I was like, you know what? I think this guy's onto something, you know? And, and I love it because if you can make, say, even $600 and you don't own the property, you didn't have to put a first month a deposit. You didn't have to furnish it. You don't have to worry about any deferred maintenance because you're just the glue. You're just, you're investing your time. And if you learn how to put systems and automate, then it could be somewhat of a hands-off experience. But someone still needs to be involved. So we usually delegate all the in-person things like the, all the replenishables. If your guests need a fan or if they need more blankets, someone needs to be available. So I like to hire a cleaning, you know, man or woman that lives within 15 minutes from the property. So anything that is required in person, it's part of their scope of work. We communicate that when we hire them and then I can run the Airbnb business from my phone. Man, I absolutely love that. I would think that somebody being within 15 minutes of the property, especially where you live, yeah. is super <laughs> important. Because to me, I can get anywhere in my city in probably 20 minutes, 25 tops, right? But Los Angeles might take you four hours to get there, depending on the time of day and where you're going or where you're coming from. So having somebody in that close proximity is key. I like how you um stated that you when you hire them you you tell them their scope of work so again you I, I think we align very similar in the transparency approach here like this is 
what the job's going to entail. Here's all the things that may be asked of you, even though some of these might not be very often, but this is the job, right? Being able to go drop off blankets or a fan or whatever it might be, or even run to the hardware store and get something for them if needed is part of that scope of work, which is awesome because then it, it, it just lays it out there and lets them know, hey, this may be required of me, right? And I doubt that you're calling all these people to do those odds and ends that often, but when you do, it's not Jorge running to the hardware store, it's them. So it allows you to be the boss. You can automate the business and put it together systems and processes that make it easier for you, but also something that allows you to scale to where you can take on more and more of these co-hosting scenarios. Or, I mean, really, it's, it, the way I look at it is that you're really just being the property manager, right? Pretty much, yeah. Which is great, though. But um, being a property manager of a short-term rental is a lot more work than being the property manager of a long-term rental. So, sure. you know, we have about 65 uh, properties. We got about 80 doors, give or take, but we got about 65 properties. And, you know, some of our best tenants, we never hear from, right? Like we'll sign a lease and we may hear from them 11 months later when they either want to renew or go month to month or whatever. Others we have, you know, a lot more headaches and issues with. Um, so when you're in the Airbnb business, the turnover, the short-term rental game is going to be a lot quicker than the long-term game. So you are going to have, you know, I don't want to say headaches because that's not the case. You're just going to have a little bit more effort that's going to be required to manage those properties properly. Um, but in return, you can charge a much higher cost of management. Yeah. So I know I pay my property manager 8% and you had mentioned, you know, 20 to 30% is what you charge your clients. And I would imagine that that's probably pretty um, in line with the competition out there, right? You're, you're going to have a little bit more effort that's required. So you're going to be able to charge a little bit more in this case, you know, two to three times more uh, to manage those properties. And, and when you do the management or the co-hosting, I guess you would say, um, you don't have to own the property. Like you said, you don't have to buy the furniture. You don't have to deal with the CapEx or the maintenance. That's somebody else's job. You get to just manage it and take a piece of that gross revenue. Um, now I've owned a franchise in the past and Jorge is probably thinking, Dave, where'd this come from? Why are we talking about franchises? The reason I, I want like to drop because I was going to go there too. So okay. The reason that I bring this up is because there is a massive difference between getting a piece of the gross revenue and a piece of the net revenue. So oh, yeah. here is a perfect example, guys. I used to own a restaurant. <laughs> now I live in St. Louis, Missouri, right? So I'm right in the middle of the United States and me and my two buddies, I'm going to go off on a quick tangent, but I promise I'll keep it quick. Me and my two buddies, we bought a franchise about eight years ago and it was a restaurant. Are you familiar with, um, you probably never heard of Pickleman's, which is the name of the restaurant that we bought, but it's very, very similar to another, another uh, restaurant called Potbellies. You ever heard of Potbellies? No. Okay. So Potbellies is, is bigger, I think like in uh, the Northeast and whatnot. I know Chicago has like a hundred of them. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's basically just a sandwich shop. It's a sub shop, right? They do salads, soups, and sandwiches. And when we, when we bought into the franchise, the franchise or the guy that owned the, the whole thing, 
you know, he, he wanted uh, us to pay 6% of the gross revenues. And we thought, hey, that's not bad. Let's do it. Well, that 6% of the gross revenues ended up being about 40% of the net profit, right? So if we brought in, let's say, 100 grand in profit, well, that was before we paid out our, our, um, our fees to the franchisor. And we were only paying him 6% of gross, but he was getting six cents on every dollar that came in, even though that, that whole dollar wasn't profit, right? So 6% of gross in that scenario equated to about 40, almost 50% of the net profit guys. So the reason I went off on that tangent there is because you had mentioned that you guys collect 20 to 30% gross, not net. So the mortgage of that person that may have is their problem, right? The maintenance is their problem. The CapEx is their problem. The taxes, the insurance, the utilities, their problem. You're collecting the gross. So I absolutely love that approach. I almost like that approach more than, than even the arbitrage approach of yeah, finding somebody that totally. wants to lease it to you, right? So, yeah, I think that's a really, really yeah. cool, cool way to go about it. Um, Jorge, I know we don't have a ton of time, so I do. I don't want to skip over. Um, you know, you you, ha- you said you have an online course. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about financial literacy, which I'm a huge proponent of. And then also, I want to learn a little bit about how you became a millionaire by the age of 30. Now, I'm a millionaire myself as well, um, and I probably hit that number around 33, 32 or 33. I'm 35 today, so uh, well, I'm, a couple I'm years back. So we're, we're, we're right there. Right there. But you beat me, bro. You got there by 30, <laughs> so I, I want to I take yeah, my hat off yeah. to you, my man. That's, that's very cool. So, yeah, yeah let's I, talk a little I, bit about uh, your course, Financial Literacy, and how you were able to become a millionaire by 30. I think our listeners and our viewers are going to be, are going to be really interested in that. Yeah, so I'll start here. Uh, when I was uh, 20 years old, again, almost 13 years ago, I started my very first business. And right before that, my last job is I worked at Bank of America, had my little cubicle, and I would help people open up personal checking accounts and their business checking accounts. So that's when I was introduced to like LLCs, corporations. At the same time, we would do uh, whenever somebody wanted to purchase, refinance, or take a home equity line of credit, I was their guy. We did the loans in-house. That was my introduction to real estate. I got to sit down with a bunch of people that owned gasoline stations, like any kind of business, all industries. They owned a bunch of properties, multi-millionaires, and I was like, holy crap. Long story short, I'm 23. I tried to buy my first house. I didn't know that I needed it. I did, uh, most of the clients I would help buy property were like employees. So I didn't know that you needed a second year of tax return back then to buy a property. And I didn't file in time. So I bought my first property at 24. Uh, I got this property for 240. As you know, in California, markets appreciate like crazy. They also go down in value when markets crash. They're a lot more volatile. Very volatile. Yeah. And then in addition to my principal interest tax insurance, a PITI payment, I would send an extra two to $5,000 towards the principal. I was going to pay that property off in the first eight years because I thought that's how you create financial freedom. I, in 2015, I become a student at the rich dad, poor dad education program. I did too. I did too. Cool. So I got I did the coaching. I signed, up the, I signed up for the master's course, uh, 35K in 2015. 
and I came with a mentor for three days. Her name's Mary Jo Wilson. She was my mentor. She came to LA for three days, and man, did uh, did I learn differently? It was like a, a disruption to my scarcity and, and limiting beliefs that I had around money and around debt. So this kind of ties into the financial literacy. You know, before that, I used to think that all debt was bad because in in my community as a Latino, we're taught like, hey, cut up your credit cards, pay off your house, buy cars cash, like don't get into debt, it's evil. And that's what I was doing. And so she asked me, she's like, why are you paying off your house? I said, because I want to create financial freedom. She said, well, that's not how you do it. And I was like, what do you <laughs> There's two types of debt, Jorge. This goes into the financial literacy, which is perfect. She said, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Good debt puts money into your pocket and bad debt takes money out of your pocket. And I was like, oh, okay. She said, you have all this equity tied up in your property, a couple hundred thousand, and it's just sitting there doing nothing. She's like, money doesn't like that. Money likes to be like, you know, you got to look up the velocity of money. Money likes to be moved around and invested here and moving around and compound over time. So I was like, what should I do? She said, if you want to create financial freedom, you, she said, because even if you pay off your house, she said, you'll still be stuck in a rat race. You still got all these other bills that you're going to have to pay for. You're still going to need a job. So the only way you get out of the rat race is get your passive income to exceed your monthly living expenses. She said, if you want to create financial freedom, do a cash out refinance, take your 15 year loan, extend it back out to 30. I pulled out 160,000. And I, shortly after that, I bought two other duplexes. Uh, so that took me from uh, that. I bought the property as a single family and uh, I was able to rent out three rooms, uh, which paid for the mortgage. And I lived in the fourth bedroom mortgage payment free. So I kept saving those $1,800. Two years later, I had 43,200 saved and I built uh, a studio in the backyard, new construction. So now I got experience working with contractors, getting permits, new construction, all that stuff. So I had two units when I started working with her and that took me from two to six. And I remember she said, imagine that in 10 years, this property goes from say 300, you say you owe 200 and then 10 years, it's worth 500. She said, you'd have 300,000 of equity. She said, Jorge, what would happen if you had two of those? And in 10 years, you had 300 plus 300. And I'm like, oh, I'd have 600. She's like, what if you have four of those? I'm like, I'd be a millionaire. My net worth would, ex she's like, exactly. And that's how you use leverage as a tool to become rich. Long story short, that's what I did. I got, uh, up until last year, we owned uh, two duplexes and two triplexes. And obviously I started buying in 2012, so I got to ride up the market. And some of those properties appreciated between eight to 14% compound year over year. And then, you know, combining my businesses from like real estate and, uh, and, uh, and my coaching. And then I own a couple Latin dance festivals. So, uh, you know, I always like to sit on a good amount of cash, like I am now being prepared to buy at a discount if things go down. And so in short, that's really how my net worth exceeded a million by the age of 30. Love it. Love it. Guys, did you hear that? Good debt, bad debt, right? It's so incredibly simple. I was also a student of the Rich Dad uh, program with Robert Kiyosaki. Um, and that's like the, that's like the first thing they teach you over there, right? Like, you know, having debt doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, right? Um, if that money is coming into your pocket, it's an asset. If it's going out, it's a liability, but you can still have an asset with debt on it, right? You can still have something that has debt, 
but that, but it makes you money, right? So what's some of the easiest things that we can get uh, with leverage and have debt that's an asset? Real estate, right? It's something that we can buy, we can leverage it, meaning we can go get a loan on it. And in some cases, put down as little as like nothing, right? Um, if you do like a VA loan or something along those lines, if you're a veteran, uh, if you're a first time home buyer, you can use an FHA loan that gets you in for about three to three and a half percent, live there for a year or two, move on to the next home, but keep that Again. loan in place and <laughs> rent it out, right? That's another way. Or you can go conventional and or commercial. I've done all of the above minus the VA one because I'm not a veteran. I'm, I've never served in the military, but there's lots and lots of options. At this point, well, let's back up. I used to do the 20% down with an 80% loan. So that was the leverage, 80% leverage. And I did that about 10 times um, through my 20s. I started buying Jorge when I was uh, a junior in college. I guess I was about 22. And from, the year, from, from 22 to 30, over that eight year period, I acquired about eight, maybe nine properties. And every one of those, I went in, I put down 20%. Sometimes I didn't have the 20%. I went and borrowed that from a friend or a relative or my grandparents or whoever. And I would, I would put that in and then I'd go get a loan for the other 80%. And then I would make it my goal to pay back the 20% that I borrowed. Well, once I paid back the 20% that I borrowed, I essentially didn't have any of my money in the deal. I paid back the 20%. I had a loan for 80, so on and so forth. So that was what I did for the first eight to 10 years. The last five years, um, I've really shifted and pivoted over to the Burr method. And if you aren't familiar, I'm sure you are, but if you're listening and you're not familiar, the Burr method is nothing more than a strategy to acquire a lot of assets very rapidly with a little to no money. I know that may sound complicated, but it's really, really simple. So now what we do is we buy everything at a discount, hence the name of this podcast, Discount Property Investors or Investor. And what we do is we buy a property at 50 to 60 cents on the dollar. And yes, you can do that. They are out there. They're motivated. They're also. motivated. You have to learn how yeah. to market to those people and how to find those people, right? And what we do is we go out and we get, and I've actually done this about 50 times over the last 15 to 18 months, 50 times. We'll go out and we'll buy a property at 50 to 60 cents on the dollar. And then what we'll do is we'll rehab that property. Now, when we do our rehabs, we typically spend at least 15 to 20 grand. Now, in, in Los Angeles, that may be pennies, right? But here in St. Louis, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Here in St. Louis, 15 to 20 grand will get us a decent rehab, right? But we do that for two reasons. One, we want to increase the value of that property, right? And typically, if we're going to spend 15 to 20, we want to see the value increase by 30 to 40. So basically twice what we spend. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll go get that house appraised. Now I said that there's two reasons. One was to increase the value by doing the rehab. The other is a lot of banks don't want to lend on just the appraised amount of the property unless two things come into play. One, the, the borrower themselves is an experienced real estate investor. They know that we're not moving into these. So they wanna see that we know what we're doing and that we can manage them. That's the first part. The second part is, is they won't look at just the appraisal 
in the appraisal only if the property isn't updated. So put yourself in the banker's shoes, right? They're taking risk by, by making you a loan. But if they're lending on a property that's recently been rehabbed versus one that hadn't been rehabbed in let's say 10 or 15 years, it's a lot less risky. So by doing the rehab, um, we increase the value. We also um, check the box over at the bank that says that it's updated. And we've been in business for you know about five years full time doing this. So we check all those boxes. But the cool thing is, is now we can truly buy properties, or I should say, be all in. You still have to buy, right? Um, but what we do is we use private lenders. So we go, we'll ask one of our lenders, hey, I need you know 80 grand to buy this house and I need another 30 to fix it, right? So that's 110. So I'll go borrow 110. And in let's say three or four months, I'm gonna pay them back whenever I go to refi. And I may now owe them 115 to 117. I'm gonna have to pay them five to seven grand to borrow that money for a couple months but I can actually get a loan um, for 80% of what it would appraise for, right? And if I can get it to appraise for, let's say 150, and I'm all into it for you know 115, the 80% loan is usually at or even above what I owe my lender. So we don't typically try to walk with money, although there has been some scenarios in the past where we maybe walk with three, five, seven grand. But our goal typically is zero, which sounds kind of crazy, but we want to be all in for zero, right? So very, very similar, um, very, very, I think we align very closely on a lot of these things with the financial literacy type of, type of uh, mindset, as yeah. well as the good debt, bad debt type of mindset. I think that is actually absolutely phenomenal. And guys, you can be a millionaire by the age of 30 if you start in your 20s. You're not going to be able to do that if you start at 28 or 29. It's going to take a couple years, right? But you can use leverage and you can use financial literacy to your advantage to acquire these means. I think it's phenomenal. Jorge, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You've shared some really, really valuable nuggets. I want to take a minute to talk a little, a little bit briefly about your coaching program and then also um, tell people how they could go about finding you if they come across you on my podcast here and they, they see it or they hear it and they say, hey, I really like that Jorge guy. How do I connect with him? Yeah, definitely. So I'm just pulling up my IG real quick, but the IG is uh, the Jorge Contreras. Spell that out for us. Yeah, so it's the like. The T-H-E? Right? So T-H-E and then Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, C-O-N-T-R-E-R-A-S, Jorge, the Jorge Contreras. Same thing, I'm on, I got a YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Airbnb, it's a 90-day coaching program where we guide you through the three phases of acquiring, launching, and automating your first cash flow producing Airbnb without owning real estate. So if you guys are interested, um, come check it out. Or just come to my Instagram and just like uh, David, uh, we post content daily and I'm all about putting as much free, valuable content. I know not everyone is in a position to drop money. So I want to make sure that we always you know, provide value for everyone uh, and meet everyone where they are and then help them elevate from there. So thank you so much for having me, man. I truly appreciate it. And it's truly Absolutely. an honor. Hey, I'm grateful for your time and I appreciate you coming on today. Guys, go check out Jorge Contreras. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. He's on all the platforms. Um, and if you want more information about his coaching program, do you have a, a URL for the real system? 
Yeah, it's uh, therealsystem.com forward slash get access. Uh, it's yeah. also Instagram bio in case it gets a little confusing. Yeah, so if you, if you, you, you want to go straight to Instagram, I'm sure he's got a link over there or on other socials. Or you can go straight to therealsystem.com forward slash, say that again. Get access. Get access. Very, very cool. Jorge, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate you. Um, hopefully, you know, somebody listening to this or multiple people will, will be interested in the Airbnb program that you have. I don't have one today. So this is a good thing for me to bring you on because I know there's a lot of people that are very interested in the Airbnb program and they're going to be able to find a ton of value in your program. I've seen kind of under the hood of your program, thanks to you. And uh, it's a phenomenal program, guys. He has a ton of students. They're all having massive success. And you're going to be learning from somebody that's doing it himself. One of my main things is I'll never hire a coach that doesn't do deals, right? Or doesn't do what I want to learn about. Like, I think it's so crazy that people are like, oh yeah, I went and hired this guy and he's done 20,000 deals, but he's been retired for 15 years. Well, shit, that's worthless, right? You want to, you want to work with the guy that's doing this every day. And that is Jorge. Yeah. So guys, check him out. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Jorge, the Jorge Contreras, or go over to the real system dot com forward slash i'm gonna fuck this up get, get access. access i got it <laughs> i got access. it i got it <laughs> all right cool guys go check it out jorge again thank you for coming on the show today i'm grateful for your time and uh your friendship so again thank you so thank much you, brother i appreciate Last you man. Thing before we depart today yes uh, sir what is one thing just one thing that you can share with the, our audience our listeners our viewers that's going to help them be successful in real estate specifically one thing Start investing and learning from people that have the result and outcome that you desire, whether it's books, YouTube, you know, like David and I actually just got started thanks to him with like texting. Just go out there and seek the knowledge and knowledge is available. Uh, the only thing that's getting in, the, in your way is you. So go out there. I remember I'll finish with this. I remember that one time I was sitting next to this old lady and she was hearing about my success and she was like, did you have to go to school for that? And I said, you know, I didn't have to go to school, but I did have to get educated. Educated. So for me, schooling and education are two different things. Education is going and reading like all these books that I have here and going and again, learn from someone that has the result and outcome that you want. That's I love it. Guys, get educated, take action. Jorge is the man. Jorge, thanks again for coming on the show today, guys. Signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.